0: Hello friends and welcome to Find Your Career Calling podcast dedicated to helping you find your next step outside of university by learning about different roles in different industries from the professional themselves. In this episode I have Anne-Marie Gallia, a content writer and a journalist for the Times of Malta. So, Anna, thank you for joining us on the show. Can you give us an overview of your career path so far?
1: Um, okay, well... First and foremost, I think um, the most important thing um, that people listening to this should know is that just because you do a degree in one particular thing, it doesn't mean that you will work in that particular field. So you should kind of always be open and, you know, ready for whatever opportunities life throws at you. Um, My first degree was in English and Theology and I later did a master's in literary tradition and popular culture. Um, I taught um, A-level English at a school for quite some time. And in the meantime, I started writing. I think writing is always something that I've wanted to do. It's always something that I've really enjoyed. And while I was teaching, I, basically began to write, and I submitted a couple of articles um, to an editor at the Times. She really loved them, and um, the rest is history, basically. And now I've been a professional writer for about six or seven years, so it's been quite some time. I was writing while I was doing my masters as well, so um, it's never too early to start pursuing what you want to do.
0: Was there any point um, when you were a teacher that you realized actually teaching is not for me, I'd rather pursue my dream of writing? Or was it something, was it something that snapped one day or was it something that kind of built gradually? Did you enjoy teaching?
1: Oh no, I, love, I loved teaching and I would still teach tomorrow. I think with certain people, and I am one of those people, there is not one fixed path. Like it can be possible for people to do something for some time and enjoy it and then switch over to something else because life has given them that opportunity. So it's not, um, I mean, it's not... Some people are born to do just one thing and they want to do it all the time and they know they want to do it when they're really young and other people it's just something which develops and or life opens a particular door and you you go through it so everyone is different. Yeah,
0: agreed. So you've touched on it a, um, a little bit already but for our listeners who are still students or who are in their gap years who are still at university or just straight out of university Um, How did you decide that being a writer was for you? Do you think there are certain personalities or characteristics that suits being a writer and actually for your first job being a teacher?
1: Um, Well, the first thing that I will say to all students and all people um, looking for a particular career is always play to your strengths. There is an old, I think, or like there's some kind of proverb, I think maybe Albert Einstein said it, which is you can't measure a fish by its ability to fly. And um, that's basically it. Had I wanted to pursue a career in maths, then I would have probably been a huge failure with huge failure (laughs) certificates (laughs) on my wall. So I think the first thing that people need to do is kind of play to their strengths and understand what it is they're good at. If something isn't working for them, then they shouldn't be worried about starting again. Um, There's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You can be um, 24 and graduated, you can be 40 and just graduated. Like, there's no time limit on these things. Um, So that's the first thing I would say, play to your strengths. Now, characteristics of being a writer. Well, I think the first and most important thing is that you have to know how to write. (laughs) So you have some people that are like, oh, I want to be a writer. But then writing is not their strongest suit. That doesn't mean that it can't be improved. But, I mean, if you don't have a, a very good command of the language, then what will happen is that you will suffer later on. Also, you have to be somewhat disciplined. I think you need this in most jobs, though. Um, You need to be disciplined. Um, There are deadlines, the deadlines need to be met. And um, it's important that you understand that if an editor um, or a client um, says that they want something by five, then it has to be in by five. Um, So, yeah, so this awareness of deadlines. Also, being a writer, many times at the beginning you're not always paid for your work so that is something that you have to be prepared for especially till you get your name out there until people can appreciate the quality of your work you're not always going to be paid straight away so you have to be kind of prepared to make certain sacrifices. Um, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> that's that's already useful insights.
0: So just going back to your first job um, How did you first became a teacher rather than pursuing writing, becoming a professional writer straight away? Like, What made you decide after your master's that teaching was the first career that you wanted to go into?
1: Well, the thing is that, um, like many writers, I have a great love for literature, and I have a great love for the way that the language works, and I have a great love for poetry, and I have a passion for this kind of thing. And the thing is that um, making your name as a writer and um, becoming successful takes an amount of time. There are other people who are um, out there, who are already established, who are already getting all, all the jobs. And if you're new to the scene, then you're not always going to maybe get the kind of jobs that you want. So, I mean... For me, teaching was a way of expressing the love that I had for literature, for language, and, and for for passing on that information to others and for, and you know, conveying that love um, to other people. And I was very passionate about that, but the kind of level that I wanted to stay at, which is I wanted to teach A-level, I wanted to teach, you know, this, the, you know, Shakespeare and the profoundness of that, and, and poetry and the profoundness of that. Um, when it came to teaching at an A-level, level, which is where I would have liked to stay, there just weren't jobs on the market. And the job that I had, I mean, over time, wouldn't have been able to pay enough for me to be able to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, with um, many um, writers and many people who kind of work in the arts, um, Sometimes, unfortunately, you have to think financially as well because you need to, you know, you need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> you, need to, you need to pay your rent. <laughs> you need to pay your rent. So, um, unfortunately, I didn't have, an, I wasn't teaching enough that I was earning enough for me to be able to do that all the time. And there were no job openings at the time for an A-level teacher. Right. So then I was just happy that the writer thing kind of evolved kept, Yes, yeah. evolved and kept, Actually. you know, gaining speed. So. Brilliant.
0: So with your current role now, um, I would like to ask what your favorite thing about it, whether it's something that you do on a day-to-day basis or something that happens once a year, what's your favorite thing?
1: About writing.
0: Yes, about writing, about your current job, your current role that you hold.
1: Okay, Um, well I think what I've always loved about um, writing is um, first and foremost the conveying of a message. Um, I write about very particular things, I mean I do more than one kind of writing but I think the writing that I am most passionate about is the writing that I do about fashion, art and culture. And I have my own column every Sunday on the Sunday Times, um, which is usually, you know, fashion and opinion related. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to that, what I really love is the fact that something which I feel so passionately about and something which I love so much, I'm able to convey that to, I don't know. I always, you know, when you're a writer, you never actually see seeing your work Mm -hmm. it's not like a very tangible thing so in a sense you write something and sometimes you feel like you're writing it for yourself and it's only when maybe later someone comes and tells you oh I really liked your article to me it's still a bit of a shock even after all this time when someone goes oh I read your article like for some reason, my brain has never processed that people are actually are actually reading what I've written because, like I'm saying, there's like you you don't see your audience, you yeah. don't know. Um, a really funny moment was when this very old gentleman, he must be in his eighties, approached me and told me, "Oh, I read your article every week and." <laughs>
0: On fashion. On fashion. fashion. That's brilliant. And
1: I thought I'd like it was it was so sweet and it was so nice and it was and even the way that he he had been eyeing me for some time to approach me, mm. you know. And you have a fan. It, and yeah, and he and when he approached me, it was such a surprising thing to say. And my first thought was like, Oh that's so lovely and then my second thought was this poor man, week <laughs> after week, he's just reading. It was but, probably for
0: his wife. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, maybe it was. The birthday
0: it, it's ideas. So
1: funny and he was just like so so passionate and so positive about it and I just thought to myself oh my god this is so lovely but then my second thought was oh my god this poor man is actually sitting down week after week and reading about the best kind of shoes to buy (laughs) and which bag is an investment you know so yeah I mean it's it's very rewarding though when someone tells you oh I read this and I was really inspired by it I think that. I think that is probably what links um, why I love writing and why I love teaching. It's the fact that I can inspire other people.
0: So something that has piqued my interest in your previous answer is your fashion column on a weekly basis. Um, can you, for, for our listeners who are not entirely clued up on what that um, entails, can you kind of describe the process of writing a fashion column?
1: Oh, the process of writing a fashion column. Oh, okay. Um, with um, fashion, I think it always starts at the fact that um, you have to have a passion for it. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to to be able to produce an article a week. So that's definite. And fashion is always something that I've been really interested in, really loved from a young age. Um, now, how do I go about writing my column? Well, the thing is that um, despite the fact that a lot of people think fashion and they think, oh, like it's so it's such a frothy subject. It's such like a. It's it's like not a real subject worth discussion. But what people don't understand is fashion is what makes the world a nicer place. Mm-hmm. And so much of it has to do with psychology as well. When you meet someone, the first thing that you do is you look at them. You look at what yeah. they're wearing. You look yeah. at you know you look at what they the colors they've chosen. So that's already leaving an impression on you and we are all sending messages all the time through our clothes Mm -hmm. also fashion makes the world a bit brighter i mean let's face it there's a lot of horrid things happening in the world on a daily basis and i don't think that there is anything wrong with um, surrounding yourself with beautiful things and brightening up your day a bit i i mean otherwise why work so hard if you're just going to work if you're just going to work you know (laughs) for like you know the basic gray necessities Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when it comes to my column what i do is um, i read i read a lot of um, other um, articles i see all the shows whenever they come out Um, i'm subscribed to a lot of blogs and a lot of beauty groups and i and i kind of just watch and i intake all that information Mm -hmm. and then i go okay what do i find interesting and what do i think readers would find interesting um something for example which i got a lot of feedback on which was which was quite interesting was um you know why you should buy a chanel bag which was really funny because like chanel bags are like largely unaffordable Mm -hmm. but a lot of people were really interested in that and they were interested in where you can get them and how you can get them especially for a small country like Malta where we don't always have you know the the necessary resources we can't just go to a boutique and buy a Chanel bag Mm -hmm. they were so interested in that and um, people are also interested in kind of empowering articles so for example recently I wrote about um bigger women mm-hmm. and the fact that, you know, there isn't always bigger women and um, what they were, what what there is for them to wear in Malta and um, I got so much feedback about that because a lot of women were like, oh my gosh, you're so right, there are never any clothes and there's still kind of this culture of, um, you know, like um, shame surrounding weight. Mm-hmm. Um, And like, you know, when I read your article, I felt like, okay, I'm not the only one that's felt this way. So in a sense, the articles sometimes give people a sense of belonging or a sense of not being alone. And I think that is very important when you're writing those kind of articles, because that is what fashion is meant to do at the end. Fashion is meant to bring people together. Of course, I'm sure there's also a lot of challenging
0: parts to your role now, being a writer and um, being a fashion columnist. What kind of challenges have you faced so far and how did you get over them?
1: Oh, okay. Well, um, first and foremost, I think um, being a woman in any industry is always just a bit harder. If you're a female journalist who writes about fashion, oh dear then the the challenges and the obstacles are even bigger because um, you're not always taken seriously. Or people might be like, oh, but this subject isn't important. So, in a sense, you're kind of putting yourself in a box. Mm -hmm. The fact is that fashion is just one facet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't do my masters in fashion. You know what I mean? So I can, and I do write a lot about arts and culture, but unfortunately, if you're not willing to kind of get beyond your own kind of prejudices, you can just say, oh no, that woman just writes about fashion, when it's not the case. I've written about a hundred different things now mm-hmm. in, the, in the seven, eight years I've been, I've been working. Um, yeah, also, I think there's a lot of... Um, fashion as an industry can sometimes be challenging, because everyone has their own opinions about um, bloggers and writers and how good they are and what credentials they have and whether or not what they're saying is is relevant and all this kind of and all this kind of thing. So that's another challenge, you know what I mean? Because also if you're writing an opinion column, then it's your opinion. So sometimes I do get emails going, "Oh, I didn't agree with this" or "Oh, I didn't like that" or whatever. Um, How do you deal with it? The same way you deal with anything. The reality is that whatever you do in life, you have to have a thick skin. You have to know that what you are doing is what is best for you. And you just have to take it from there. You have to really just ignore what people are saying. Especially if there are people that you don't know or people that you've never met, and you just get these random, not very nice messages in your inbox. You can't let it affect you. You know, everyone has an opinion. Fair enough. Everyone has a right to their opinion. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really affect what I do, because I am confident in what I do. Mm. Maybe if I was less confident, it would affect me. I find that the stronger that your opinion is and your belief is in something, the harder it is for outsiders to shake. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. You just, you do you. And, you know, and that's what's most important. Stay true to yourself.
0: So one of my favorite questions to ask is your proudest moment so
1: far in your career. Uh, I think it's, I think it's. With me, I think that's always been the kind of question that everyone asks me and which I have no answer for. Mm -hmm. I think I am always striving to do better, be better. So I never think in terms of I'm there Mm -hmm. or I'm getting there. I think in terms of what needs to be done, what can I do to be better. Um, I'm happy with my progress. I'm happy with what I've achieved. I think it's it's. I think, I'm, I'm told that what I've achieved is, is pretty great. But um, in so far as how I feel and how proud I am, I don't have that sentiment. For me it's always pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. I don't know if I'll ever reach that moment where I can sit down and go, oh, I'm really happy with this. <laughs> but then again, um, I've heard this from other writers uh, where they say, you know, if you're happy with it, then you haven't, mm. you know, then you haven't done enough, basically. Yes. So I'm not happy with it. Yeah. And apparently... The story is still being re- written. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: to finish off, um, we can't help but ask, what's your next move? Where do you envision your career going in the next five to ten years?
1: Again, I don't really like to try to um, envision because I don't like to give myself expectations that will then upset me if they don't happen. In an ideal world, I would write for Vogue, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, probably Vogue is not going to exist in a few years <laughs> That's years what I'm thinking as <laughs> well. Maybe onlinevogue.com yeah, or maybe something. Yeah, maybe onlinevogue.com. <laughs> um, yeah, we're becoming a bit of a rare species when it comes to the written word and you know, um, writing in, in that traditional sense. Um, what would I like? I mean, I would love to be an an editor, maybe one day. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that comes with its own set of responsibilities and its own, you know, you know its own package. Um, I'm just really happy with where things are going and I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where I am. If a situation presents itself, then I think if I still have enough energy. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> have you ever envisioned yourself kind of working abroad if the opportunity arises?
1: The thing is um, that I lived abroad when I was younger and... Um, we stayed We stayed there for quite some time, and I think um, being back in Malta has given me a sense of stability. Mm-hmm. Also, I think um, I have a really like kind of like established my roots here, so then kind of like pulling everything up and leaving mm-hmm. um, in my case, given as well the amount of work that I have to do and the amount of one-on-one things I have to do, um i I mean, it's not something that I've wanted my sisters have wanted it but it's not something that that I desire so I really try to do the best that I can within the context that I'm in and I think that is the trick to to happiness to anyone's happiness it is you know if you if you see the lines which you are happy in making the best within those lines thank you so much thank you thank you for having me Thank 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 you
0: got to the end of this episode and feel like you want to find your career calling, check out fycareercalling.com where I can help you gain clarity and confidence in your next step. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend because friends, life is too short. Find what you love.